Good day, and welcome to Shepherd the Sheep podcast with Pastors Jason Vaughn and Gina Guillermo, and special guest today, Ryan Boyce. And we are here to talk about how to be better students of the Old Testament. Welcome back. It's uh, good to have you, Ryan. Great to be with you guys today. Yeah, thank you. So Ryan is a pastor up in northern New Jersey, Green Pond Bible Church, or Chapel, sorry, and uh, been married for 21 years with four children. So, Wow. That's pretty amazing. That is. Good, good job, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those, are, those are always the details people want to know. And then the details that... Um, uh, just to kind of give an intro, because today we we want to we want to pick your brain, Ryan, on how to be better students of the Old Testament, right? And uh, such an important part of Scripture, you really couldn't even sit down and say, "Hey, uh, let me write a book about the doctrine of God." And if you ignored the Old Testament, you you would you would miss a lot of revelation about who our Lord is. And so, very important to kind of understand how to read that and and to pick and to understand and be good students of the Old Testament and. And so, Ryan, I know you got um, your demon, if I'm not mistaken, in Old Testament, uh, preaching Old Testament, and really understand the different genres and a lot of even the um, the discussions out there on the different genres in the Old Testament. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. The focus was on um, how the literary genre shaped how we preach these passages. And of course, then it relates to how we understand them and apply them. Right. So that was the focus. I spent most of my time on apocalyptic, the apocalyptic chunks of the old Testament, but yeah, we covered everything. So it was a, it was a really good program. Nice. Well, I'm excited to hear you. I'm excited for our people to, um, to kind of hear your wisdom on this because, uh, you said you, I was extremely blessed at our, at our conference together in Nashville and just to kind of hear your, your take and your different observations on, on scripture and just even, even some of the, the sidebar comments that you kind of made about even reading the old Testament. I was like, wow, that's really helpful. And so um, I know our people are going to be blessed to, to have your brain picked here and to, to hear your wisdom. And so, um, you know, basically the general discussion here is how do we want our people to be better students of the old Testament, right? So if you're listening to this podcast today, Cornerstone, uh, we would want you to kind of take some notes and then go apply it so that you're a better student of the old Testament. And so, um, Ryan, I know, uh, kind of in our pre-discussion that, that you pointed out that even just, uh, understanding the differences in genre is a big part of, of being a good student of the old Testament. And so, um, Ryan, do you want to explain why genre is important? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we have to acknowledge reading the Old Testament is hard because it's massive and because you have these different genres that we're just not no- used to reading. Everybody's used to reading different kinds of literature. We know the difference between reading a tweet versus uh, a news article on uh, on a news website to to reading an obituary 
to reading um, a devotional or a sermon. So we kind of we have certain expectations when we read a genre. And so reading the Old Testament, um, given the, the different genres that are there, you know, it all starts with recognizing what am I reading? And in, in many books in the Old Testament, you have even a variety of genres uh, in a single book. So, you know, a good study Bible or just kind of taking some time to think ahead of time before you get into reading uh, a passage in the Old Testament will help you just get the lay of the land so that you know what exactly am I reading. So that's definitely, I think, step one for preparing to read the Old Testament well, knowing what what am I reading. Yeah, that's really helpful because if you can answer what you are reading, then you can have the right expectations and rightly apply it, which I think a lot of people struggle with with the Old Testament. It's like they read it, and they're like, what did I just read? And how the heck does this have, like, how, how the heck does this help my life? Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you find that, um, you know, that's a good point because if you understand you're even reading a narrative ab- about a story about like Joseph, um, there's a difference between reading that and reading an epistle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder, do we read our Bibles thinking they're all epistles, like thinking that there's super truth, major theological doctrine in every sentence of a narrative, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And the, the temptation is, I mean, we're used to reading Ephesians and Romans and Philippians and we get, you know, a paragraph, you know, you can sit in a paragraph for a week and continue to wrestle with the logical argumentation and the doctrine that's included there and the application. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we take that approach to the Joseph narrative, I mean, you'll be in the Joseph narrative for 25 years, and I'm not sure you'll get anything more out of it, to be yeah, honest. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe the, one of the first things, just tip-wise, as far as reading the Old Testament, when it comes to the narrative part of the Old Testament, is read read the whole narrative if possible. You know, so kind of get an awareness of what what is this actually story. Most most of the time, uh, the stories that you'll read in the Old Testament are a complete set. You know, they're going to get you from start to finish. And so, you know, whether it's in Genesis, you know, you're going to go one patriarch at a time or something like that. Or, you know, if you're in like first and second Samuel, those are, they're split up into episodes. It's just like watching a a TV series where there's, you know, you kind of get it one episode at a time. And usually there's a pretty clear sense of where an episode ends and begins. Uh, You know, sometimes the headings in your Bible will help you figure that out. But if you're, trying to read a paragraph at a time, that's not going to work. And sometimes even a chapter at a a day is not exactly right because you may need two or three chapters to get the full episode, you know, that kind of thinking on it. Um, Same thing with, with Kings, you know, with Kings, the first and second Kings, sometimes the King, the account of the King is short Mm. and sometimes it's longer. So you just have to kind of be, have your eyes wide open to that. Mm. I think that's a really good point because even even before we were talking about this, like somebody recommended a movie to me, and um, it it's probably a better movie. Like it's probably a great movie, and I was like, yeah, I enjoyed it. it was good, but because I because I watched it in um, fifteen minute increments every day, it was like it was hard for me to to get the whole narrative. And I I kind of wonder, right? If you're the read a Bible, read a chapter a day kind of person, are you possibly missing? You know, what, what are you not remembering day two of the, of the Joseph account that, that, that Moses intended you to remember, you know? Yeah. Well, and it might be better to read, like if we're doing the Joseph narrative, I mean, that's even a longer one. Cause you know, that's like, uh, you know, 
50, what is that, 37 to 50. So that's like 13, 14 chapters. But you could read that three times in a week, and that would be really great to read it three times in a row to get a sense of what are the patterns, you know, what jumps out at you multiple, you know, after multiple readings. Um, I guarantee you that guy didn't make that movie to be watched in 15-minute increments. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Well, yeah, I, I completely did him no justice <laughs> at all. He would probably be like, bro, you should have just done something else with your time. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's point too, right? Like, because to me, when I read the Joseph narrative and I dedicate myself, you know, the 45 minutes to read the whole narrative, you get to the end and that like, what, what, what man for meant for evil, God meant for good. Like all of a sudden, because you have the whole story in your head, like yeah. that packs way more of a punch than, Hey, I'm on day 12 of reading the Joseph account. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you're like, man, yeah. but I've slept a lot. Like I've, I've had to like parent a lot. I've had to husband a lot. I had to like work a lot. Like, you know, you just forget a lot of that narrative and yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. So is there, and you you kind of gave a, a good tip there too, right? So like, let's say somebody's like, man, I don't, I've never done this before. I'm, I, I want to go from reading a chapter a day to kind of reading in this way. Is that where you say, hey, like a good study Bible can kind of help you? Um, I know in Genesis, like if, if a good study Bible that talks about the Toledotes, you know, and so if you'll kind of route down yeah. those Toledotes, you have, right, even within Genesis, there's kind of that like scene shift Toledote. And so, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I, well, and again, just reading that ahead of time to get the structure. So, like you say, in the Genesis, there's that, that, Toledot generational line that's a natural you know division by the author um so if moses gives us that as his guidelines we should follow it you know we should honor you know honor what what he did as far as breaking it up but you may not know that ahead of time so you need help with it right right there's there's also a book by um it's gordon fee and i think the other guy's name was stewart that was stewart but i it was reading the bible book by book Huh. And it's basically like it's basically like uh, it has a five page introduction to each book of the Bible. Here are the big themes. Here's the outline. Here are you know, you know kind of stuff to be aware of, technical ideas or terms stuff like that. And um, that that was actually a, if, if you don't have a if you have a study Bible, you already have that. It's gotcha. in a study Bible. But if you don't have a study Bible, then that that might be a um, one resource to help you get the lay of the land. Mm. Although nowadays most of that's probably also available online, I would think too. Right. So is it fair to say um, what we're uh, advising people is really look at the big picture to to better kind of fit in the the smaller pieces of the puzzle. And if that's the case, is that kind of what old Testament readers had in mind when, as they approached the, 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 the genres or even just the, the old Testament in general? Well, yeah, we, we have no doubt that they, they heard, I mean, okay, so assuming that they most of these scrolls would have been read aloud mm-hmm. to the original audiences, then they're getting them in, in bigger chunks. And, and then when it comes to studying them, that repetition over time is where, where the key takeaways were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they wouldn't have studied them necessarily the way we, we do often. It doesn't mean what we do is bad. It just means that we might be missing you know, some of the other themes and patterns that emerge when you're looking at it from that, you know, that, that pulled out lens. Yes. I, I would tell people it's, it's really important to have the big picture view so that when you end up looking closer at one of the trees, 
you're still aware of the forest, you know, that kind of a thing. That's a good point. You know, it's interesting. I'll never forget the first time I read even Genesis realizing that kind of what you're saying, Ryan, where they were, where that would have been read. And you realize that at some point in the wilderness, Genesis was being read to the people in the wilderness. Yeah. And you kind of look at that and you go, wow, like, you know, hey, the, the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph is this reminder that God is faithful to his promises. You know, and you're sitting there collecting your manna, you know, on year 38, day six, you know, day 200. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's manna again, you know, yep. only two more years. Yeah. Two more years. <laughs> yeah. guys. Um, you know, and you, you, you go like, it did kind of change a little bit of my reading of Genesis to be, to be honest with you, because it's like, wow, you realize this reading that in the wilderness has a little bit more gravitas to it. Oh yeah. Well, and again, you think about again, spirit inspired application like to know the original audience to the degree that we can, yeah. that helps us kind of focus our application. Right? right. We want to follow the spirit's lead in that. And it was written addressing a particular circumstance. So we need to, we need to keep that in mind when we can for sure. Right. Almost makes you wonder, is Genesis a little evangelistic at that time too? Well, the, well, the whole of the, the whole of the Pentateuch, right. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to think about because, all the bad examples, all the failures in that, there's an argument to, to basically say this is a warning for you uh, leading into getting into the land. Like here, it, you got the complete set once they're in the land. Well, they need to be warned about the failures of the past and to see God's faithfulness in spite of their failures so that they can turn to him in faith. So absolutely. You know, you don't think of it like that in a complete set. Well, and, and, and so you just used a word too. Like we, we've tried to kind of explain to people as we mentioned it in passing it in the pulpit, but just so people are aware, uh, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. And that can also be referenced as the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes yeah. it's called the, for the, just the five books. Uh, but, but in the original writing, our understanding is that was actually just one big book. Well, they certainly, by the time it was being, re- you know, uh, being read, I mean, we, we don't know exactly when along the way Moses wrote Genesis, but we know by the time they get into the land, they have the complete set of the five and they treated it as one. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. That's the short answer. Yeah. yeah. So then, yeah. And yeah, they may have come up and kind of put those, you know, so Leviticus, the name Leviticus in your Bible is not inspired. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but I think that's helpful to know too, because, you know, kind of in, in what you're saying as a reader to understand that the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all together, you know, that it's all one kind of all from Moses, one unit of thought that does change a little bit. Now in that is interesting too, right? Because you're reading along and, and you, you get through Genesis one, two, and three and. Uh, slightly depressing because of the fall, but but a little bit of hope there in Genesis three fifteen or yeah, and then you know Cain and Abel gets more depressing. But at some point you start to coming along to these like genealogies, yeah, um, and the law. So how do how do we navigate that, Ryan? Is that is that you know like hey, translate every name in the genealogy and then put your translation together and see what it says? Or that's that's really good for like YouTube. It's, you know, that's, that's really, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I call them the nemeses of the Bible reading plan. So mm. like 
you're reading along in your Bible reading and you're like making good progress. And then you're going to hit these genealogies or you're going to hit the law and you're going to get bogged down and you're going to be like, Oh man, what? Like I'm reading the phone book. I'm literally reading the phone book right here. Like what is happening? What is happening? So I think, again, this is where preparing ahead of time and knowing what you're reading is absolutely crucial. Hmm. Don't, for the genealogies, we don't want to overread them. So you're going to want to read those babies quickly, right? You're not going to pour over each name and add up the numbers of the letters and do some kind of secret code. Like the genealogies are there to show God's faithfulness in taking a family, most often Israel, from point A to point B. And so it's like, okay, we're getting from point A to point B, and usually there's significance in where it starts and where it ends, and that's about it. And so, you know, God's faithfulness is the, is the main topic there. So once you know that, you're free to just go ahead and read fast and, and, and get on and keep going in the overall, overall storyline of whatever, you know, book you're reading in. So, you know, you hit, I mean, like there's, there's good examples, like, uh, the one in Genesis 46, there's a list of Jacob's family when they go down to Egypt during the famine. And it's like a whole chapter of names. But the point is, these are the 66 people that God sent to Egypt. And he was faithful because that 66 will grow to 600,000 by the time you get to Numbers chapter 1. Mm, wow. Right. And that's, that's really it. Yep. I mean, there's not, there's not much more to it. Mm. Like, See, that just you know, made... So, reading numbers way better because <laughs> yeah. right. If you're, yeah. if you're reading a chapter and I think to me, maybe I'm uh, just trying to kind of push back on the chapter a day idea for people. Um, because yeah. again, you're going to end up reading what the first 10 chapters of numbers. Right. Yeah. Whereas and, maybe yeah. that should be 30 seconds of your life kind of thing. Yeah. And, and to just, you know, and again, I mean, even if you literally read it, just read it quickly, the things that need to stand out to you will stand out. Yeah. You know, it's familiar names or, and I always, you know, there's a, it's not, it's not very common, but occasionally in a genealogy, there's a little extra description. And Mm. when you see that, it stands out and you go, Oh, wait a minute, hold on. What does that say about that person? Like I need to dial in on that a little bit, but in general, you just want to move through it. And mm-hmm. I mean, don't worry about pronunciation or any of it. Just go, yeah. you know, like yeah. just right. Just Only worry no, about no. pronunciation when you're reading in public. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> right, <laughs> but yeah. the, that, that's always funny when yeah. you get to like a bunch of names and you're like, are you butchering every single name and people are just looking at you like, what just happened? Oh man, I we do, our elders sometimes read scripture in the in the service, and every once in a while they get a choice a choice passage with some sweet names and I always have to warn them. And sometimes I forget and then they're giving me dirty looks like, yeah, like, you didn't tell me these are a bunch of names. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. How do you do that when you, yeah, have you ever read like numbers and uh, been to have that be your scripture reading or something? Like, would you, would you take a chapter a week? Would you do that? Or would you, you mean like in, in, in public service. reading or like yeah. in personal reading? In public reading. No. Yeah. No, I, I pick highlight. I'll pick it. I'll take a highlight out of that. Um, so like it for a a different, another challenging kind of passage are there are long temple construction narratives Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's an Exodus of the tabernacle in Exodus. There's like four chapters of how to build the tabernacle. And then there's like four chapters on, they did exactly that, but it's almost word for word repeated. Right. So it's like, you're not going to read that's eight chapters, you know, that's just kind of saying the same thing. So, you know, I just picked like a couple highlight, you know, moments and we read that for our scripture reading 
Uh, same thing in First Kings. We didn't read the whole temple construction narrative. We just hit a few of the highlights in the reading and then summarized it even as we went through the big picture of the whole thing in the, in the sermon. Hmm. So like yeah. on that Sunday, I think we preached, we covered like two chapters in one Sunday sermon, but I didn't read every single verse. We just summarized. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a good idea. Yep. Yeah. We did read, we did read the genealogy in Matthew, I believe, or was it Luke? Matthew. Yeah. Matthew, yeah. Which, but, which I think that, that was short. Help. Yeah. That's yeah. short. It's helpful too. Yeah. 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 Of... Short, manageable. And, and you're again, because the, in that particular case, it's it's short enough that you can really explain it clearly, and it's like, okay, I get it, mm-hmm. rather than like reading eight chapters of names and <laughs> chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll do that to uh, uh, a deacon one day to yeah. punish them. No, Did you to read First Chronicles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. But uh, even that, think about that. Eight eight chapters of First Chronicles in your Bible reading. That's one shot. Read right. that in one shot, and then go. Okay. Why is that important? Well, that's summarizing. This is this is who was in, was in the the people of God when they went into exile, and then the rest of Chronicles is basically celebrating God's faithfulness, even though they went into exile. So, mm. it, you know, there's a there's a there's a reason they start with the names in First Chronicles. It's like this is these people existing is a testimony to God's faithfulness, and. You know, and then Chronicles being written after exile, it's a celebration of the return to the land and God's faithfulness. So it starts off with this is who we were when we ended up in exile, but look at God's faithfulness all the way through. Wow. That's really helpful so. because I think, um, you know, that's really helpful to even ask the question. And maybe that's even the bigger thing. It's not who are, who are the names there, but, but why mm-hmm. is this right. here and how does it fit in? That's probably, you know... Actually, that that's going to be super helpful for me. Now I'm excited to read Chronicles because yeah. it just makes more sense. To like, okay, hey, here we are. That's why these names are here. That was super helpful, Ryan. Well, you know what would be interesting yeah. is if someone developed a Bible reading plan that was structured this way with a little, uh, you know, read this chunk and here's why. Yeah. Right, Ryan? Yeah. If you wrote that, I'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. You know, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll think about it. I mean, I'm usually big on very uh, forgiving Bible reading plans anyway. Yes. So, like, you, you need room to fail. You yes. need room for real life to mess you up. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, most of them are based on roughly a chapter a day mm-hmm. in a couple different places, maybe most three chapters. I read one. There was one genre-sensitive plan that was like you're reading five genres a day. So he's like five chapters a day. Oh. And that one was okay, but you're still missing. I feel like the sensitivity to where you are in any given spot, you right. know, right. I, I, like I said before, I'd rather read the Joseph narrative three times in a week and, and let that be, you know, a way to let God's word just, um, you know, sit right. Mm-hmm. And let it, let me meditate on it. Let me reflect on it. Um, rather than just have an arbitrary sense of progress that, well, I made it through, you know, mm-hmm. but the, these, and it's interesting because these uh, harder genres, I mean, narrative tends to be easiest, but the genealogies, the law, like the temple building stuff, like they're inspired by the spirit of God and they're for our benefit. Right. So we just want to ask how and not read them in the wrong way. Right. Right. Yeah. The, so like that's, reading that's, each word is not more spiritual than, Yes. Than understanding the why, yeah. I think, and I think people yeah. um, like make that error. Like, I got to read every single word and pronounce it correctly, otherwise the spirit's not working in my life. Right. I yeah. think it. I think it also helped me at some point realize 
um, from other people, and maybe this is where discipleship comes into play and in even reading your Bible, that um, not everything I read that Jacob and Isaac and Abraham did was actually holy and righteous. Mm. Right. There were actually times where you're reading about these guys' sin, and you're like, wow, you know, I remember the first time you realize, oh, not every, not everything, they don't always make wise decisions. And here they are, you know, on display for us for a reason. And almost, yeah. almost like the better you know your Bible, the, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't want to call it critical reader because critical has other connotations now, but, but it, there is a sense, right? And where the better you understand God's character and nature the better you are at assessing the stories too. So, Yeah, definitely. And that's true for all of God's word. The, right. the more familiar you are with it, the more aware you are, you're better equipped to, to learn from it and grow. Yeah. You know, that, that's, I think that's, and that's really where we are with the new, Te- the old Testament, because we're just not as aware of what we're reading. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big deal with law. So for example, like with the law, again, you don't want to, you want to read in big chunks, right? But if you have a little bit more of a, an awareness of, of what's going on with the law, that might help you be able to process it, right? So I know that all the law is summarized by the two greatest commands to love God and love people. I know that Jesus fulfilled the law. So the old Testament law is not binding in that sense on a believer. However, I still can learn from the law. So you could ask when you're reading the law, you can just go along. And as you're reading, just ask, is this a law that shows me how to love God or does it show me one example of how to love my neighbor? Right. So, you know, there's that random law in Deuteronomy about you have to build a, a fence on your roof. Yeah. Anyway, it's like there's a random law in Deuteronomy, build, build a parapet, a fence on your roof. Well, that's to protect your, uh, your kids and your neighbor's kids from falling off the roof when they're up there, you know, eating their lunch or, you know, doing whatever they're doing. That's a love people law. Yeah. It's like building code, so, right? Yeah, and it's not saying you have to build your fence on your roof right. if you're a Christian. It's mm-hmm. saying, no, listen, I need to be aware of the fact that sometimes when my neighbors come over, they, they have kids, and I need to be loving to them. And maybe mm-hmm. it means I put those little protectors in the outlets at our house or so, you know, something ridiculous like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. the, you ask the question, right? And not to get too bogged down in the details, you know. So even all the all there's a ton of the law that relates specifically to the temple and to the priestly work. And we know all of that is fulfilled in Christ. So we can look ahead and go, wow, this is all pointing to the greater provision of Jesus. The holiness of the priest points to the holiness of Jesus. The, right. the purity of the sacrifice points to Jesus' sacrifice for us. You know, the, even the design of the temple. And not to try to find meaning in like every single stitch in the high priest's garment, <laughs> you know. Right. But just to know that Jesus is the great high priest. Like that's that is totally enough, you know, mm-hmm. for you to, to glean what your what the spirit intends for us in those laws. So, you know, I mean, I think that's another area of where we're just not used to it. We're not used to reading it. So right. it catches us off guard, maybe. I know that was helpful for me when I realized, like Deuteronomy 4.4, 4, that, that even Israel's obedience to the law was not just for their own good with the Lord, but that... Um, that it was evangelism to the other nations who would move through Israel, you know, maybe on their way yeah. to Egypt or, you know, coming out of Egypt and going to other countries because they were definitely kind of at a crossroads there, right, in the intersection of the Middle East. And 
um, you realize, wow, their obedience to the law was, was even beyond just, um, you know, just, just for their own personal righteousness and, and to honor God, but it was, it was evangelism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I think pointing to God's character. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, when you're faced with God's character, you're, you're really faced with your own shortcomings. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause God's character is definitely on display in the law. Yeah, not yeah. only his holiness, but also his grace. Right, right. Because like when you're yeah. when you're reading in Leviticus, and it's like, oh, if you have if you can afford this sacrifice, then make that sacrifice. But if you can't afford that one, here's a different sacrifice that costs less. Right. Like, there's even an awareness that certain people couldn't afford the full blown sacrifice, and that's all God's grace. He's graciously accommodating that He can dwell with His people by making a way for them to atone for their sins. Right. And all that, you know, all that, it's all, you know, there's a lot of grace in that. The yeah. food laws, you know, a lot of the dietary laws are related to the fact that it was a pre-modern cooking reality. And so some of those, a lot of those foods are just more prone to carrying, you know, foodborne illnesses. And so it was just God's grace and kind of saving Israel the headache, you right. know, not all of them, but most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the, the purification laws about how to, what if you have this sore, you know, and the priests, all that, all that, again, a pre-modern uh, you know, medical reality is that they didn't have the capacity to deal with it. And so it was just a different way of, of keeping people, you know, safe from being sick. Like, right. it's not, so you know, they, they didn't have, have any, to, they didn't have any masks back then, huh? Or, well, yeah, no. <laughs> so only Moses. Yeah, yeah, only only Moses. Moses. You know, that's yeah. interesting too. And, and that, that probably, you know, I know we're trying to ask the question how to read it better, but to understand that Israel was, was a, um, the Jewish people there were a nation who worshiped the Lord. And mm. that's probably an important distinction to realize because in the American, uh, here in America, we, we are a church. We, we have churches and our churches are filled with people, but we are not necessarily a nation church. Right. We don't have a liturgy right. for the nation. Yes. Yeah. Which the yeah. entire nation of Israel had to, they lived by that liturgy. Yes. And uh, yeah. that liturgy displayed who God was. As a, as a nation, yeah. so. So the civil laws of the Old Testament, they're not binding for us because we're not that nation, but right. they're still spiritually instructive. Right. And that's where I think we miss it. Sometimes people are like, oh, they're not binding for us. Why do I even need to read it? Well, because it does reveal those characters of God. You know, you were just talking about, the, I mean, the characteristics of God. And it does also show us this is this is who God is. And one way of loving God or loving people is on display in this law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so again, don't, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a, you know, a chapter a day. I would read bar, bigger chunks in the law. The other thing that people sometimes miss with law is it is included in the narrative of the first five books. So there's, it's not all law, even Leviticus, there's some narrative in there. Right. So the law functions as a little piece of the bigger puzzle of the, the story of God working, you know, through his people. Uh, and looking forward to the the Messiah's coming. So, you know, don't forget that when you hit those law chunks, get through them pretty quickly, and then keep going on as the narrative progresses. Right? I mean, that's that's helpful. That's maybe another reading tip. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a bunch. So, so you're you're saying that so the first five books, one big narrative, would you say? And then it's broken up by even poetry, poetry, law, and just different things. Yeah, basically. I mean, with Deuteronomy being like a recap, more or less, but yeah, you know, view it, view it in that sense, and that helps you get that helps you get through. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Hmm. Good stuff. 
So we had law, we had um, uh, narrative. Mm-hmm. I think you had other stuff on your list there, Jason. Oh yeah, we had a couple other things. Um, were there anything else that that we need to bring up on narrative? I think it's, you know, uh, definitely just to kind of recap something to hang your hook on. We're definitely talking about you know choose your narratives wisely. You know, maybe read uh, David Preking in one sitting or, or kind of break it up into logical chapters. So you're not, you're yeah. not necessarily reading a chapter a day, but you're reading a story a day. Mm, yeah. So yeah. the stories. And, yeah. and, well, and in that regard too, often, and this is as far as maybe not so much the actual reading of it, but what do you get out of it? Right. Often, or all, I would say always the, the main thrust spiritually of a narrative is going to be in the climax. Yes. So, you know, you need all the pieces of the story for it to work, but, the primary takeaways are going to be in that, that climax where the, the problem is resolved or there's some kind of, you know, progress made. So when you're reading it, look for those. I mean, we all kind of know, and we all had to, you know, we took it in school to learn the basic structure of a story. But when you get to that high point of the story, when the tension's high and finally the answer is found or, or the problem is solved, you know, that's, that's where you want to see how did God provide that? What does that teach us about God? What does that teach us about ourselves? you know, as far as spiritual takeaways. Yeah. Which probably then rolls us into the next one. And that is, um, you know, so um, now let's move away from narrative. Uh, you know, so yeah. you've, you've learned how to hopefully from this podcast so far, you've kind of realized I need to, I need to be um, use some wisdom in picking your narratives, maybe read the story a couple times a week rather than a chapter a week or a chapter a day. Um, there's something about even dwelling on the story that's probably helpful. Uh, you know, and honestly, people do this all the time. Now they'll say, Oh, I love that movie. And I get something new from it every time. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes yeah. even like Shawshank Redemption or, you know, there's, there's some kind of, even sometimes a moral of the story that like is really impactful. And it's interesting. Cause you think like, man, there's something about knowing narrative, um, that our brain can recall a story sometimes easier than it can recall a lecture. And yeah. so, um, but not all of the Old Testament is that. And so, as we were talking about earlier, Job and Ecclesiastes, and the, as the wisdom literature there with Psalms and Proverbs, kind of sits in the middle of the story. Mm. And you were you were commenting earlier about uh, reading Job and Ecclesiastes. Actually, interestingly enough, you have to know the end in order to get something out of the middle. Yeah. So definitely, Ryan, Ryan walk us through. You want to read Job or Ecclesiastes? Yeah. So uh, with Ecclesiastes, because because the interpretive key is at the end of the book, where he basically acknowledges like um, life outside of knowledge of God is basically, you know, just uh, vanity. But then therefore to live life with knowledge of God is what gives it meaning that then helps you process the perspective of what, you know, how do I think about work and is it really just a waste of time? Well, no, it's not, but you have to know where he's going to go at the end in order to, to really process it, you know, uh, properly. So if you don't really know the end and again, read your introduction in your study Bible or whatever, and that will help you if you're going to be reading through Ecclesiastes, same thing with Job. Job's so long that we sometimes forget that like we read the first two chapters and Job has this really awesome theologically accurate response. But then basically he loses that through the middle of the book because the bad advice of his friends wears him down. 
And then at the end, he has to be rebuked and corrected by the Lord, which he is, you know, he receives that rebuke and it's all good. But if you don't know that's where it ends up, you could read in the middle of Job this bad advice, you know, from these friends and think, oh, this is good advice. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you got to, you have to kind of know the the bones of it. And because that's poet, that, that section of Job with wisdom literature, it's poetic. And so it's harder to read. And again, we're not used to reading long chunks of poetry. And so you just, again, you want to, you want to make sure to have an awareness of where it goes at the end. So that way you can properly interpret uh, what what's going on there in the middle. And so let your study Bible be your friend in that, in those instances for sure. Yeah. That, and that is one of those areas where you're right. Like if you, it's so funny, like we all probably have stories from young Christian days where you're reading Job's friend and you're like, what's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. And then later you find out, Oh, that's actually bad wisdom. (laughs) And to me, there's something, maybe there's something about Job. Maybe Job is actually, you know, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound kind of dumb, but, but it, but maybe there's something here, right? That maybe Job is actually not meant to be a read it once and move on, right? Maybe yeah. that is one of those where actually to understand Job, you need to read Job and then reread Job and then reread Job mm-hmm. so that, yeah, you know, it really does, you know, because it's going to take some it's going to take some time to kind of, one, the language, you know, and the, the parallelism yeah. in Job can be kind of difficult sometimes. Yeah. But like when you, once you get your bearings, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Familiarity helps you. So yes. once you get your bearings, it's, it's 40 chapters, but you know, you're thinking about, uh, okay, I can handle, I can get you, I can get the outline. I can read it the first time. And then the second time you go through and read it, it's not going to be as challenging. And then the third time, you know, you're going to be in business now. And now you're ready to think more carefully about what actually happened, you know? Right. Um, we actually use that same model when we, when we teach our, our older kids Shakespeare. So yes. the first time we do Shakespeare, we show them the movie of whatever play we're going to read. And then, and then we read it really slow because you got to learn the, you know, the words. And then we read it a little faster and then we read it a little faster than that and act it out. And by that time they know the story, they know the plot and they're laughing at the joke. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, it was just a matter of getting them familiar with the content, you know? And I think that's the same thing, especially with a book like Job. I mean, circling around to Proverbs, Proverbs is totally different because in Proverbs, you get your interpretive key at the beginning where we find out the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so all the, all those, all those statements of what to do and not to do or or how to, you know, handle a situation, all that is anchored to fear of the Lord, faith in God. And assuming that's your starting point, then you'll know how to apply these little nuggets, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, it's a very different take because you get the help at the beginning instead of at the end in Proverbs. Well, and even in Proverbs, you have, what is it? Chapters one through nine seems to be almost an argument. Yeah. And so then you hit chapter 10 and then you kind of come into what, like the pithy statements. Um, yeah. But it, but it's even interesting, like in, in Proverbs and Psalms, I have noticed that if you actually pay attention to the context a little bit more, uh, like Psalm, Psalm 23 is one of my favorites because when whoever you write, I almost think it's divinely inspired in its order because you can almost read Psalm 22, 23 and 24 with a messianic understanding. And it, it 
almost like to me changes Psalm 23 a little bit to where you almost see that like as, as a Psalm of Jesus, like the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, you know, and it, Mm. you know, even though I know that Psalm is very comforting to us, like it's interesting if you, if you ask the question, did, does the Psalm before this somehow connect to the Psalm after this thematically? And I have found Mm. a couple times that the answer is yes. Yeah, I believe that's. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. that's. Uh, that's actually there is a connection to twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I, and I. But he, yeah, the first time I said that, somebody was like, "No, bro, there's actually like a thing on that." And I was yeah. like, "What? Oh, this is the best thing ever!" You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah. I felt you scholarly. discovered that. You see, about, <laughs> you're a very scholarly man. Yeah. 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 But but the, but God inspired not only the authors, but He also guided the process of the collection and compilation of the Psalms. So if you think about it that way, the, it is divinely intended that certain psalms are in the same neighborhood as others. And so rather than coming at that from like a, a, a technical literary perspective, you come at it with a spiritual perspective that, hey, uh, these psalms were close to each other in the scroll. And so when they were read, they were often read together and so or recited together because they went together. And so now when you're reading them, you have, you have that awareness of, Hey, there's a, there is a sense in which there's significance to the grouping is, you know, and I wouldn't push it too far, but just to know, right. Like, Hey, this is, this is a thing. Right. Right. Uh, Or even sometimes you feel like one Psalm sets up a question and the other Psalm answers it, you know, like, where are you Lord? And then the next one kind of answers it. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's about like with Psalms. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, just my last read-through, I intentionally tried to, like, not just read a psalm a day, but just kind of like, what what is this psalm setting up, or what is it saying? And it was interesting, many times, you know, you would kind of have, like, a a lament followed by, and now, of course, I don't, I don't have that Bible in front of me, so I don't have my connect, connector notes. But it was interesting, yeah. right, because you'd have a lament followed by a praise and a reminder of God's faithfulness and his steadfast love and his, you know, his promises. And you're like, Oh, okay. So there, there's like this kind of like lament, you know, it's kind of patterned early, you know, so. Hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting. Cause even what you, what you mentioned about the, your, your Shakespeare um, kind of method. So what you're doing there is kind of like giving a little bit of training wheels so that the, the, when you go slower, you're not lost. Right. That's the whole yeah. idea there. Okay. Um, yeah, if you start if you start reading so slow, you'll never you you have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. because you're looking up like every fifth word because you don't understand it. Yeah, right. And sometimes, again, back to our scripture reading principle, especially in the Old Testament, that's where you can be. You're reading so slow, you don't have any idea what's going on in the overall and that's where know, the context. That's where a st- study Bible doesn't help if you're reading the, every single note and every verse. Yeah, to begin right. with. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think the introduction is helpful and then and then fly through the um the content. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, there is such a thing as there is it's called the literary study bible. And it has it doesn't have notes for every verse. It has notes for the beginning of each book and the beginning of each literary chunk. Huh. Oh. So that's kind of a cool resource. It's the I think Crossway publishes that one. But it's like yeah, so they have like uh, the the intro to the book, and then they've got along the way, like for example, in in First and Second Samuel, it's like every two or three chapters, there's a little orienter, 
that says, "Hey, this is what's the, this is what's going on as far as the literary side of it." But anyway, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's oh, yeah. awesome. I I think that's you know I I know we've definitely counseled people like, "Hey, before like really the study notes in a study Bible are more useful." if you understand what you're reading enough to where you can read those, like you're having a conversation, not reading yeah. them to, you know, and so, you know, um, or if you just really want to know where is this place Tarshish that they're talking about, you know, and you can, well, okay, yeah. Yeah. And pro user tip, like in, when you're reading the big chunks, if you feel like, Hey, I really want to circle back to that verse, but I don't want to slow down yet. Yeah. You just make a note, yeah. you know, you just say, Hey, I want to get back to that. And I want to look at it later yeah. on another day or after I'm done with the whole section and just kind of circle back and focus in on that particular issue more. I mean, that's a great way to handle that. You know, read with your, read with the, you know, your notebook handy or your journal or whatever. And then you can kind of, you know, and again, that's an advantage to reading more, reading bigger chunks and then being able to let it sit, you know, let it have you meditate on the word of God. Uh, in those those larger swaths, hmm. yeah. No, that's that's actually really good advice. I you know, I've I've even like I do that even when I'm reading, and it's like oh I gotta like I gotta pay my bills. I'll just write down pay bills and then just keep moving that way. <laughs> that way you're not distracted <laughs> by like you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the danger of being a type yeah. B pastor is you yeah. sometimes have to like oh yeah, yeah no 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 yeah. can't like don't be distracted. Well, it is a legit problem to be honest with you. Like yes. I, I know people that they they can't help but stop. Yes. I'm like no, don't do it. Like because they can't understand a word yes. or several words. I'm like you can still understand the chunk even if you don't understand the vocabulary. Right. Um, yeah. It's very it's it and and so you stop so much you're definitely not going to understand anything. Right. What's interesting, Ryan, is you've actually given good advice on how to read a book on a material that you don't know anything about. Right. Because yeah. it's the same thing, right? Rather than just jump in and read the book slow, maybe skim a little bit, read the back of the book, try to eat, you know. Yes. It's interesting how these yeah. are, you know. Yeah. Well, in Bible reading, though, you're going to gain, again, I think sometimes, and i speaking honestly, I've been there, and I know many people at our church have been there, where they're, they're reading their Bible, they're putting in the time, but they're frustrated that they're not getting more out of it. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. and, and they're thinking, why am I not getting more? This is the Word of God. It should, you know, the theory is sound. Like, there it is. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that when they're hitting some of these genres in the Old Testament especially, they just haven't prepared themselves for what they're reading. And so it's a hindrance, right? Whereas if they took five minutes ahead of time and read that introduction in that study Bible or thought about what am I about to be reading, now they'd be prepared to read it and now to see it in the, you know, in the right frame of mind and with the right expectation and not to, and not to put a, a burden on the law or a genealogy or the temple construction narrative that's not supposed to be there, you yeah. know? Yeah, I agree. And, and we do. We learn to read the Bible in the epistles and in the Gospels. And so there's an adjustment. It's a lot different in the Old Testament. So. No, mm. you're right. And that's, and that's the unfortunate part is sometimes people think, you know, um, even Ezekiel 44 and Romans 4 are the same, are going to paint the same kind of information, and they're not going to paint the same kind of information. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it is interesting because yeah. there there are different types of readers. Like I like 
going into a movie without watching a trailer sometimes because oh, yeah. that that just that discovery you know and there's some people yeah. who's like i will not watch a movie until i watch a trailer because i need a snapshot of what's gonna what yeah kind of what it's yeah. about you know um yeah. yeah or like jumping into like the marvel series and like in the middle like you're watching you start yeah. with like black panther or something <laughs> and like nothing else makes sense because you're like in the middle right so. i don't know who those people are but there's a problem with them that's that's not right that's not right yeah 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 no that that was yeah uh i'm okay if you skip captain america that first avenger was a boring movie so. <laughs> what that's the best one he's so boring as that character Anyway, oh, yeah, this, this is what gets me in trouble. I always tell people like, oh, Captain, man, that, he's so boring. He, but he was great when Bucky, like the Winter Soldier is one of my favorite ones because Bucky's in it. And Bucky yeah. to me is, a, yeah, anyway. Yeah, because Jason, you love tension. That's, yes. That's your jam, man. You <laughs> yeah. love it. So. You just, you just like, hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cap is boring. He's, he's kind yeah. of a boring character. Well, no, he started yeah. out skinny and like puny. That's he, you know. There's a lot of people who, you know. Who need hope, you know? That's <laughs> true. I mean, I guess. They yeah. were like the nerdy, like hopeless, yeah. and all of a sudden he comes out and yeah. he's... I think I finally figured out why Tony Stark and Iron Man strike that chord with me is because he's, he's basically Marvel's Batman. Yeah, exactly. you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and so exactly. I love Batman because he's a normal dude mm-hmm. who uses intelligence and his you know, physical training to, to get the upper hand on the Joker and these bad guys. And, yeah. Anyway. Hey, that's... Uh, honestly, though... Uh, sorry, we we really digressed. That was not what it's was all related. Was. It's all related. So when it comes to prophecy, um, you know, I'll tell you when I first read prophecy, I didn't know what to make of it, and it wasn't until I realized how prophecy fit into the narrative of Israel's history. And yeah. so I think even for like an Old Testament, when you re- I read the Old Testament, to me, understanding at least the exile. Um, the exodus and the exile, to me, that helped make all of the Old Testament more understandable. You're talking about the historical yeah. aspect yes. of it. Yes. Yeah. Because before the exodus, everything's kind of leading up to it. And then the exodus is almost like God staking the flag in the, in the sand saying, here I am to the entire world that had already rejected him and had gone their own way in Genesis um, after yeah. the flood. And then um, the exile, you know, I remember trying to read the prophets and not understanding. And then when I realized the historical exile, you're like, oh, now these prophets make way more sense. Yep. Yeah. yeah so, well, there, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I could recommend one other resource for you in that, for people in that regard. It's a, uh, it's an Old Testament study guide. It's, uh, the, it's called Casket Empty, and it's written by a lady named Carol Kaminsky. With a, the last name starts with a K. But what she does is she actually just lays out the chronology of the Old Testament with basically weaving the prophets into the narrative. Oh, nice. And she just, Ooh, summari- she just summarizes the, the storyline. So it goes through in chronological order. And she has like an acronym that she uses, but actually the best part of this, of that little book is how you see, Oh, Isaiah was then. Yeah. Oh, Micah was then that's what was going on. And so she puts the prophets in context with the Kings who were reigning and what was going on geopolitically when they were serving. 
Yeah. And that, that, you know, that's a little extra reading, but that little resource, if you just go through and um, like, for example, we're preaching through first and second Kings right now, and you just go through and there's a paragraph on each King and it's just kind of keeps you oriented, gives you the big picture and then highlights any prophetic, you know, relevance. And it, yeah. it was a pretty cool, that's good. I, I thought that was a pretty cool resource. No, that is cool because, and that, that brings up something. I know we, we talked about this at the, um, at the retreat, but, um, or at the conference that, um, there was no retreat. It was all work, a lot of work, (laughs) no fun, no fun. Um, so, uh, it, you know, that Kings is not there for your background information of pro of the prophets. Right. Like I think some people think acts exist to give you a context for first Corinthians. And it's like, there's actually a point to the book of acts Mm -hmm. and yes, it can let us, it sheds a little light on the context. Um, Right. So, but with the prophets, like understanding that there is that right there, there's do the, let me, let me ask the question. Do the prophets assume you understand a little bit of what's going on with the Kings when you read the prophets though? Well, yeah, I think with, with the anthology, so the longer prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those are anthologies. Those are collections of all these messages. And in that, in that collection, there are certain moments when they think the narrative is so important, they remind you of it. So like in Isaiah, they repeat some of the Hezekiah narrative from Second Kings in Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah does that, right? So Isaiah does that because he wants you to know this part of the story is so crucial to you understanding this message. Gotcha. But then obviously for the rest of it, there has to be at least a general awareness because like you get the judgment against the nations, the oracles against the nations in the first, you know, middle section of Isaiah. And it's like, if you don't know what's going on in the world at that time, that those messages don't really resonate. So a little bit of homework on, on the, you know, what was going on at this time, uh, you know, when Isaiah's writing this is, is certainly the, you know, I think Isaiah would have assumed that the readers are going to be aware of a little bit of this. Um, anyway, so I, I think in same thing, even with the shorter prophets, so it's like, yeah, you got to know when they're ministering because that, that gives you the capacity to understand the relevance of certain parts of the message. Right. Like, what is it in Micah? There's a section in Micah where he lists off all these towns in Judah, and they were all conquered by the uh, by the Babylonian or by the Assyrians in, the, in that particular order. Anyway, and there's just some like it's very interesting that he there's an allusion to it made in his prophecy, but he doesn't explain that detail. You have to know that, you right. know. Hmm. So yeah, which but. I think is helpful to realize. And so, right? I mean it's like anything else. When you read, when you read the prophets, you've got to understand kind of their role in Israel, Judah history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the, I think even what you just said was really helpful, right? Like Isaiah is not, that wasn't one long sermon that he preached to, right. to, to the people. He's, he's compiling a list of his prophecies. Um, right. Yeah. And some of them forward looking and some of them not forward looking. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. In fact, most of them aren't. That's right. the interesting thing. And, and the prophets, most of the prophets are just basically confronting Israel's failure to keep the law. Right. They're not loving God. They're not loving others. And there's some specific examples they give. Mm. And so you, you can have that in your back pocket when you're reading the prophets. 
you know, it'll help you. Even the oracles against the nations in the prophets are designed for Israel's benefit. Like this, the God's going to judge Assyria for this. Oh, by the way, Israel struggles with that too. Don't be Assyria, you know, like don't, don't put your hope in the money or the military power or whatever it is. But yeah, again, getting used to reading prophets is tough. And I think I would say, follow your Bible's division on big sections. So I know I keep, I just read it, so it's fresh in my mind, but that's why oracles against the nations. I mean, that's a, that's a, a chunk of, of, you know, uh, four or five chapters. So read those all together. You know, like they, it's kind of a complete set, you know, like go for it that way. And then, yeah. uh, and then circle back when you need to. That's um, like even Jonah, like yeah. Jonah is not designed to be a chapter a day kind of read. Jonah is, you sit down and you read this whole thing. And the the one thing we, yeah. we noticed about Jonah is Jonah actually kind of expects you to know the gospel when you read Jonah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because it, it's almost, um, it's almost, uh, it's almost, man, I hate to, I don't know how else to say it, but it's almost like, Hey, you don't really want to be like Jonah here. Definitely. Um, yeah, well, I think he's representative yeah. of the people, maybe. And yes. so, so it's like maybe Jonah doesn't have an oracle against the nations, or against um, against Israel. But if you look right. at Jonah's attitude, yes, that's really the attitude of Israel. Oh yeah, and that's a and that's an indictment on them. Yeah, without an actual oracle against them, which is crazy. Right. So you have this yeah. beautiful narrative, right, in Jonah, which is unique in itself in the Minor Prophets. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Jason, you're right. I would probably say read. Read four chapters, read the four chapters in one shot, yeah. and then maybe the rest of the week, then circle back and read them one at a time. Yeah, that's fair. Like a- a- after you've got a beat on the whole thing, you know, then you can go back through. Yeah. One other uh, specialty in pro- in the prophets, a, a, a kind of bigger subgenre, is the genre of the, the courtroom um, oh, yes. accusation. Yeah. So sometimes when people, when you're reading in the prophets, you'll hit those sections where it's like the Lord calls he makes an accusation and he calls the sky to be a witness or the hills to be a witness and i have this against my people you know he's actually that's actually formal old testament courtroom language right yeah and so sometimes you'll hit that part and it's like you need to know he's he's making a he's making a point he's trying to he's trying to you know have that um a few good men you know courtroom drama he's trying to add that that flavor to the prophecy to highlight, you know, the sin, the particular sin in view and the, the call God's people to repent. So that's something that you'll see a lot when you're reading to the prophets that might be weird to the modern reader. No, I think that's helpful. Uh, I know the first time I really reread them in seminary, it was like, wow, there's actually more gospel in the prophets than I ever thought there was. Even though there's yeah. a lot of indictment, there's still a lot of promise and a lot of, listen, if you'll repent, there's restoration here and there's hope and, um, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah is probably the hardest, honestly, because it's the most, con- it's the most confrontation and condemnation and the least amount of, you know, sneak peeks to the future with hope. There are some for sure, but it's just not, there's not as many. Whereas like Isaiah, you get like 39 chapters of, uh, of confrontation of unbelief, but then you get like another 26 yeah. chapters of the glorious future of God's people and this message of hope and all, yes. you know, all that. That so. kind of makes sense in the timeline. Cause Jeremiah was like right before the Babylon 
um, yeah. attack. So it's almost like, hey, huge red flag, guys, repent now. Babylon yeah. is coming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think that's, I think what, what you said too is really helpful, um, that when you're reading the prophets, it's not all future. And so I think the unfortunate part is the word prophet for us means prediction of the future events. And those prophets, uh, in a lot of ways, you're reading their sermons that are confronting a situation at the time. And sometimes a part of the hope is a future reference that, hey, even though you're going to be sinful, like the promises of God are still yes and amen, and they're going to come to pass, even if you're not alive to see it. So almost like where where the prophet's aware that, hey, this promise, this prophecy that I'm writing down is going to be read by future generations and want them to understand, you know, that, that God is faithful and he's going to do something. So. Yeah. And sometimes a part of that message is one of the ways you'll see God's faithfulness is in the future. This is what he's going to do. Yeah. But that's a reason to trust him now. It's all, it's always about right now, repent of that sin and trust him like, you know, today. Yeah. So there is, it's just, there's a huge amount of gospel and prophets. You know, we, um, we we definitely, you know, probably a lot of our people have more dispensational backgrounds. And so do get this question a lot, a um, little curveball question here. But, uh, and I know what answer I always give, but how do you answer when somebody says, well, so were they like saved in the Old Testament different than in the New Testament? Ooh. Maybe maybe you're kind of common myths of the Old Testament. And, and how does Ryan answer those? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Romans 4, no, it's the exact same method of salvation, salvation by faith. So I think Paul really helps us in that. And then the, the question then with reading the Old Testament is, and when you start to look for it, you'll see it everywhere. The main issue is confronting unbelief. That's the main problem consistently on display throughout the people. It's they don't believe God. They don't trust God. Sometimes the Old Testament terminology is subtly different, like fear of the Lord, or they didn't listen to the Lord. But when they're, you know, when the prophets use that language, they're saying they didn't trust God, they didn't believe God. And so, you know, you'll you'll see that it ends up being, um, it is literally exactly the same. They just didn't know the specifics on how God was going to save through the Messiah as much as we do now after the fact. So that I just tell people that's the difference. But Paul just helps us there. Romans four, Abraham, yeah, saved by faith, same game. That's know? yeah, that's the answer we give. By the way, yeah. Romans four. Yes, we were right. We were right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, how about this one? How do you answer when somebody says, "Yeah, but it seems like God in the Old Testament only loved Israel, and now after Jesus, now He has a heart for all the nations." Well, I think again, there are a ton of places when you're looking for it. Um, in the Old Testament, where it's, it's, it's clear that God's plan is to rescue way beyond the borders of Israel. So Jonah is a great example. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a classic, right? Yep. yep. God actually cares about Nineveh to the point of caring how many cattle these people have. Right. Spoiler alert. That's the end of the thing. <laughs> I gave it away. But, you, did. you know, so he, he cares. Uh, and then even we did, uh, we were doing Isaiah 40 last night in our Bible study, and the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity or all flesh will see it. Yeah. What the idea there is we'll see the glory of the Lord and, and you know, be responsive with faith. So it's like, it's not just Israel will see it. It's the, the whole world will see it. 
So, you know, in Isaiah, there's a huge concern for the nations to be trusting the Lord and for what God is going to do for that. And again, the big question mark was how exactly is that going to play out? Right. So, right. and don't forget, we're, we're only getting a, you know, limited, the, the part of the story that we need to get as far as the Messiah, you know, coming from Israel, like that's, that's why that's the focus of the Old Testament. So, yeah. Now when yeah. You, when I think you, it's, it's in there when you look for it. All right. And maybe, maybe last one. Um, when you come to passages in the Old Testament that are famous in the New Testament, you know, New Testament's quoted, it may be Psalm 110 or Hosea. Um, in your mind, as, as a reader, the, as while reading the Old Testament, you're aware, oh, I, I know, you know, this, this verse was used, you know, in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or, you know, whatever. How do you, yeah. how do you kind of wrestle with that? Do you, in your study part, do you stop right there and go to the New Testament? How do you balance that? Hey, I'm aware this is a famous, you know, quoted text yeah. in the New Testament. I don't uh, know if that made sense. For for preaching or for personal application, just, just kind of well, just kind of studying. Like, okay, you know, wow, like out yeah. of Egypt, I call my son. Oh, yeah. Now let me go look at this in Matthew, and then you come back to yeah. Hosea, and you're like, huh? Like, is so, that something that you say, yeah. hey, for now, I'm not going to address it. I'm just going to look at what this does in Hosea. Or you do you you see what I'm saying? Like, you're aware that this yeah. text is requoted. I guess yeah, I'm slightly I, asking a little New Testament use of the old kind of thing, but. Yeah, well, that what I so I always tell people you need to ask the question: How does what I'm reading in the Old Testament relate to the rest of the canon? Okay. And question. it doesn't change the meaning. It doesn't change the meaning, uh, but it does change sometimes the significance and the application. Yeah. Okay. So, like that, the Hosea is a great great example where we have to understand what it means in Hosea, but then knowing that Matthew quoted it the way he did, that's a spirit inspired take on that verse that is given to us and it's helpful for us. And if we don't, if we ignore it, I would say we ignore it at our peril because we might miss something very significant that wasn't even obvious to the prophet, you know, right. but that the Lord was saying. So I would say that you need to be aware of its use in the rest of the canon personally. That would, that would be my, yeah, that's my fair. Take. We, I, I, I give people three, I give them three interpretive questions. What does the passage say? First and foremost, study the passage, figure out what's going on there. Then ask, what does the book say? How does it contribute to the book that it's in? And then ask, how does it, what does the Bible say? How does it, how does it factor into the rest of the Bible and the story of redemption? And so you're just kind of using those three questions as a way to see the forest and the trees, right? I love it. That's uh, because I think what I really appreciate about your approach, Ryan, is it's uh, it's not a get into the trees and get lost looking at the bark. It's a understand how this bark fits in to the whole forest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes I think in, in our theology discussions, we maybe ask too refined of a questions and even lose the context for what normal life is like when you read the Bible, right? Like, well, but what, you know, like, we have all 66 books and it's okay to allow all of them to inform our doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, it'd be weird if we didn't. Right. It would be, I weird. mean, that's kind of my thought. Right. Uh, you know, so we end up, like I'm not, I'm not saying there's not significant 
hermeneutical challenges of in course. that. But yeah. But at, on the whole, it would be weird if we didn't. Yeah. You know? And that's that would probably be for a different podcast and I don't, yes, I don't know that that would even be like something I'd want to do for the church, but mm. I don't yeah, know. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Probably well, hopefully, not. hopefully not, this not for people in New Jersey. I don't know <laughs> about people in Vegas, but not um, for people in New Jersey. Yeah. It's unfortunate. We actually can't tell you a lot about what happens here. <laughs> it has to stay here. So it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy rule. We have to live by it, but you know, uh, uh, no, it's terrible. yeah. Well, Hey, I think this has been helpful. Um, I think there's a lot to take away. The The one thing that, uh, just to kind of, for, for our listeners to hang your hat on is there was something that Ryan said, like probably 45 times. I didn't, yeah. I didn't mark it, but I think, um, I think this is a huge issue and that is be prepared for what you're about to do. Yep. And, and maybe that's the problem with a lot of our scripture readings. We just think open Bible, pray, read, and there's mm-hmm. going to be some kind of like impactful, like, but actually to be a student of scripture even means understanding how the Psalm fits in with. And I think those last three questions you kind of ask, what's the text say? What is it? How does the, how does that text relate to the book that it's in? And then how does all of that relate to the entire canon and our understanding of God? And so uh, I think that was really helpful, but, but, you know, rather than just open Leviticus and start reading, maybe, maybe read the introductory material in a study Bible and maybe read fast, and then if you want, if you want to understand one of those sacrifices in depth, then go slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back, look at it, and you yeah. know uh, the one thing Leviticus definitely. Mm-hmm. I know Leviticus twenty six is a very important chapter, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, even that when you're reading the prophets, I think you kind of, I think the prophets assume that the law is in your head, and so you've got to understand enough of the law to the prophets make more sense if you, if you understand enough of the law, right. Um, Israel's history makes more sense. If you remember Deuter- uh, Leviticus 26 yeah. and the end of Deuteronomy. Yeah. So all of these, and then that's the thing, like the more you do, the more you read through the old Testament, the more the old Testament actually makes more sense. And I almost Absolutely. want to say, if you've only read through it once and you feel like you didn't really get a lot out of it, I would want to challenge you that you, you probably need to, get through about reading nine or 10 of the entire yeah. Old Testament. And by the way, that's okay. If you, you know, if you feel frustrated, that's, I yes. think that's a normal thing. Um, and, and to know that like, you know, there, there is a level of preparation and the spirit doesn't just like turn on a light bulb. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I think the spirit uses the entire canon of yeah. the, of the, both the old and new Testament yeah. for it to work together. Yeah. And so yeah. you do have to have a breadth of um, knowledge as you, and that'll help us understand more and connect, make the connecting points that we need to connect. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. a good point. And G. don't, well, I was just saying too, don't feel guilty when you're not getting a ton yep. out of the genealogies or the, you know, these long legal passages or whatever. You're not probably supposed to get a ton out of it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's, it's, there's one kind of key, you know, central thing and don't, don't feel guilty about that. And yep. don't feel guilty when you struggle to read it. Cause it is hard to read. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's really the, the, that's really good acknowledging, Hey, it's one read through. You may go, eh, but, that's like that struggle is not, you're not, you're not abnormal and you're not less spiritual for it is yep. I think what we're trying no. to say. Like you shouldn't like, yeah. Lord, I repent. I need to repent. Cause I don't feel like I got a lot out of Leviticus. Well, you know, some of that, yeah, that, that foundation to really understand the old Testament is, is laid with layers of concrete, not just with one by, by playing one layer down, you know? And so you've got to, right. you got to keep building on that foundation. So, mm. Hey, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate you coming yeah. on. And uh, 
I think this is going to be super beneficial for our people. Yeah. So. Well, it was beneficial for me. So oh, thank absolutely. you so much. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate that. I learned that. a lot. Uh, be prepared. Yep. Yep. What I heard was like, watch the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Were you an English major? You weren't. Me? Yeah. No, no. I, no, I was a language guy. Yeah, so okay. even in yeah. college, I did biblical languages. Yeah. So, wow. But what's funny is that then led to the literary awareness. Yeah. Okay. And that mm-hmm. was a that was that was a big step. You know, some of the key things I did do some of the seminary um with Dr. Barrick and Dr. Grisani at Master Seminary and they pointed me to some very helpful resources just to be aware of the literary realities of what's going on in the Old Testament. And that really changed my I think it changed my understanding of the Bible, uh, frankly. Right. But yeah. Anyway, I really enjoyed talking with you guys. So likewise. It's been great. Well, um we're gonna we'll end the podcast and then um We'll we'll hang up with you after we end the podcast here. So let me let me if you guys have uh, listeners, if you have questions, comments, feel free to fire them off. Uh, until next time, we love you guys, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.